In this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Roland Schmidt, who is an athletic trainer and has done a lot of work with athletes that have diabetes. Roland shares his personal story about how he got interested in uh, diabetes just in general, but then how really it has been applied to the athletic population and those that have uh, diabetes and struggle with it to try and make sure that they are able to compete, do things on the highest uh, level that they're able to. So he dives into a lot of the basics that we need as athletic trainers and really where you can get involved more and really make a huge impact if you are working with athletes that have diabetes. So it is a wonderful conversation filled with a lot of information that I asked him to share after hearing him talk at our Wisconsin Athletic Trainers Association Symposium. So a lot to take away there. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. We'd like to thank them for everything uh, to help us out and also within the AT profession. Uh, sorry that you get to keep hearing that, but we truly uh, appreciate everything that they do, uh, their support to help continue to drive forward, and some of the initiatives we're doing um, is really uh, second to none, and we appreciate that. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to this as you are helping support us giving out some donations. We've got a couple of inflatable cold tubs we're going to get out just by listening to the ad that's shortly to follow we appreciate you working your way through that it truly does bring money into us which immediately goes out we don't use it for anything else other than putting it back uh, directly into helping fund those initiatives if you want to find out more about those check out clinicallypressed.org our kind of parent company if you will without further ado please enjoy this episode Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Roland Schmidt, who is an athletic trainer uh, through Bell & Health uh, in Wisconsin, uh, works out in the secondary setting. Uh, but the reason um, I reached out to Roland is I uh, was able to watch um, in person a talk that he did at our Wisconsin Athletic Trainers Association annual conference on uh, diabetes in the athletic population. And it was in I believe partnership with a dietitian uh, that you work with at uh, Bellin, and it was a really good conversation. I've only personally had experience with one, maybe two um, athletes that have had diabetes in my career, and one was a student. So we had, were very much on the outside of helping out um, in that regard, but uh, it was a really interesting conversation or topic and talk, and so. Uh, uh, I want to see if Roland would share it with the podcast and kind of go over everything. But before we jump into that, Roland, I want to turn it over to you to fill in kind of your background. Um, and as we were just talking off um, recording, you know, what kind of really brought you into being a focus, having diabetes in the athletic population being a focus for you? Yeah, well, first and foremost, thanks, Joel, for having us and uh, appreciate you doing the podcast and, and allowing athletic trainers to uh, to grow and, and learn uh, in, in another uh, way. And so I really appreciate you doing that. So thanks for, for hosting this podcast. Um, but yeah, as you said, uh, I do have, uh, I do have a background in the secondary school, um, athletic training pro profession. 
for the last oh, 22 or 23 years now, I've been with uh, Bellin. Um, before that, I was working down at uh, North Park University in Chicago as the head athletic trainer. And prior to that, I also worked at NovaCare um, with the U.S. speed skating team, um, along with uh, a couple of high schools uh, as an outreach athletic trainer down there as well, down in the Milwaukee area. Um, been certified for about 25, 26 years, something like that, whatever the math is now. Um, so uh, been in the business a, a few years. Um, what really brought me kind of into this, this role of, you know, really researching and re really diving into the athletic population, uh, the athletic population with uh, the diabetic management, um, kind of the, the short uh, background on it is our team at, at Bell and here uh, in Green Bay, um, we were looking for additional resources for, you know, how do we manage that athlete with diabetes? You know, we have a, we have quite a few outreach uh, athletic trainers here at, at, in Green Bay, um, and we cover quite a few high schools in the Northeast Wisconsin region. Um, so we always wanted to do education for our team and for our staff. So one of the things that we wanted to do was the management of uh, diabetes. You know, and as we, we look back on our, our schooling, you might have a paragraph or two or three in the old Arnheim book, right? And sure. That's about all you get. Um, so we wanted to equip our team a little bit better. Um, the NATA did a great job, you know, quite a few years back, to, uh, but what, I think it was 2007 with the, um, you know, the, the sudden death uh, things that were uh, highlighted. They updated that, I think, uh, in 2012 uh, and went over that. Um, but beyond that, there was, there's not a lot out there for assisting the athletic trainer um, with managing the, the athlete with diabetes. So that was the first thing we wanted to do. We wanted to give our team more information. So as we started to dive into that a little bit, we didn't find a lot of resources out there. We're yeah. like, okay, well, we, we need to do some work and we need to help equip our team. And, and hence the reason I wanted to do the presentation at WATA. Um, so we wanted to equip our team with, with some tools and some, some, um, management techniques. Um, so that's kind of the short term of it, uh, from that research and what we can dive into the conversation a bit here, but, uh, we, you know, we built a program that really emphasizes on assisting those athletes with diabetes and help them manage and, and, you know, progress their athletic and, uh, activities, um, through, through the management of the diabetes. Um, personally, um, I have family members uh, who, you know, grew up with diabetes. So I've been, I've been in the diabetic population, if you will, for, you know, my entire life. I have a, a, an older brother who passed away um, 26 years ago, 27 years ago now. Uh, no, more than that, 29 years ago now, um, passed away from diabetes because of complications of diabetes. Um, I have a sister who still manages her diabetes and, and through that management of her diabetes and, and through the, the trials and tribulations has cardiac issues and uh, had uh, maternal issues as far as being able to uh, have children and everything else. Um, so diabetes can be a, a pretty devastating illness if not managed properly. Um, and I've seen those firsthand effects. Unfortunately, my brother had to uh, receive a kidney from my mother, um, you know, as a, as a uh, patient. So um, was on dialysis and was blind and couldn't see light dark walls. I mean, he couldn't see anything. Um, diabetic neuropathy, couldn't feel his legs down, you know, from thighs down. Um, yeah, it was, he was in rough shape. So I, I understand what the bad side of diabetes can look like. And I want to help prevent that with any of my student athletes or any of my patients that I'm going to be, you know, working with. Um, I also lost a sister-in-law, uh, to diabetes. My, my wife, um, 
you know, was, was the unfortunate one who ended up finding her in her home, in her apartment, um, you know, after we couldn't contact her for a day. Um, so again, I've seen that I've seen the negative effects of the diabetes, uh, um, illness and the, uh, diabetes, uh, platform that's out there. And I, I want to make sure that we don't have, you know, those types of situations occur with any of the student athletes that I work with. I appreciate you sharing that and, uh, getting, you know, some of the personal, um, aspects of it all. Uh, one thing as we were going, just setting this up, uh, that you brought to my attention and I thought would be a good place for us to start, uh, was in how you've been framing it as the athlete with diabetes and not the diabetic athlete. And you can, you brought that to my attention as I had written in, you know, diabetic athlete. Could you just elaborate on why you like to frame it that way and why that's important? Yeah, I think that, you know, you look at, um, you look at any of our athletes, they, they all want to be an athlete first and foremost, right? So they, they don't want to be different. Um, my athletes with diabetes doesn't want to be any different either. Um, if I label them, if you will label them as a diabetic athlete, well, now I'm not just an athlete. I'm an athlete with a condition and I don't want to be an athlete with a condition as a diabetic athlete, right? I don't want that title. I want to be an athlete and I just happen to have diabetes. Um, it's no different than my athlete who may have a cardiac condition I need to, you know, be aware of. It's no different than my athlete who has uh, recovered from an ACL, right? They're, they're still an athlete, but it's, you know, we in the athletic training, you know, field will say, oh, it's my, my ACL athlete. Oh, it's my, it's my sure. cardiac patient. It's my cardiac athlete. We can say that within our own, within our own conversations. I think that's okay. Um, and I'll probably say it today as we're talking through our, our podcast today. Sure. Um, but when, it, you know, when we're putting it out there for the public to hear and the public to listen to, um, or when we're talking to our athlete with diabetes, we want to label that, you know, we want to talk to them as an athlete who just happens to have diabetes. So we're not going to treat you differently because of, you know, as an athlete, but we're going to, we're going to manage your, your diabetes so you can be a better athlete. So you can be a safer athlete. Right. And that's really why, why I think it's important to, to use that nomenclature. And I think it's important to really, you know, not label or classify them as, oh, they're my diabetic athlete. You know, again, you know, within the athletic training world, closed doors behind the scenes, we'll, we'll probably say those things. But when I'm talking to, to the coaches or when I'm talking to the parents or when I'm talking to the athlete themselves, I'm going to call them an athlete who happens to have diabetes. That makes complete sense. And I appreciate you breaking that down. Uh, the first question was, you know, through all this research, did you kind of come across at all as how common um, it is to, you know, find athletes with diabetes, you know, both just kind of in general and then especially in the secondary setting? Again, just personal experience working some a lot of my career so far in the collegiate setting, only one, maybe two that I was aware of. Um, and most of the time, actually, no, definitely two now that I think back to it. Um one more well-managed than the other that we were just kind of there as a help for the one uh, that was more recently just they had it completely under control and we were just there to kind of lend a hand but uh, if you wouldn't mind if you had come across any of that yeah specifically research no there's not a lot of research but um again we have a large staff um, sure we have 32 athletic trainers and uh, 31 high schools that we work with uh, here in the, and actually that that's growing still. Um, but we have quite a few staff and quite a few schools that we work with um, within our staff and within our schools, I would say maybe, you know, and, and this, this 
number fluctuates from year to year to year. Obviously, you you know got kids you know graduating or whatever, coming right. in, new freshmen, um, whatever. Um, but our our number fluctuates considerably. Um, if I said twenty five percent of our schools had one or two um, athletes with diabetes, that would probably be on the high end, right? Okay. Um, two years ago, uh, we we just recently graduated one of my athletes. Um, two years ago, I had three athletes with diabetes at my little small school, you know? Okay. Um, so it was, it was really, you know, it, it, it comes and goes as far as, you know, and then I may not see for several years, you know, have an athlete come through my doors with, you know, uh, uh with a diabetic, a diabetic uh, diagnosis. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fairly, fairly uncommon if you will, but it's common enough that, you know, if I have a visiting school coming to me, maybe one of the, maybe one of the student athletes, that is coming to me, I might notice a sure. uh, one of the one of the um, um, uh, sensors on their arm or something like that. Like, oh, okay, there's an athlete with diabetes. I might need to you know be aware of you know that type of thing. So, um, Joel, you brought up a great point in your collegiate career as a as an athletic trainer. You didn't see many um, athletes with diabetes, right? And I think that's part of one of the things that that again, drove me to putting together uh, with my teammates that I have here, uh, putting together a program that we help these athletes because as we did some research, we called some of the bigger, you know, well-known uh, hospital systems. Um, we called some of the, 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 you know, the children's hospitals and things like that within the state and within the, the uh, Midwest region. And we didn't find a lot of specific information for management of diabetes for athletes specifically using that you know the competitive athlete yep. it was great for somebody with you know there was a ton of information on fitness there was a ton of information on wellness but nothing specific to here's how you manage diabetes in a football player here's how you manage diabetes in a hockey player here's how you manage diabetes in a, in a wrestler or you, you name it right insert sport here um, there was none of that information or very, very, very little of that information. Um, so in doing that research and in doing some of that, that background stuff, I reached out to several athletic trainers at um, universities and high schools around the state. Um, some of our bigger D1 universities within the state. And I talked to some of the sports med directors and I said, hey, what are you guys doing at the nutrition table for your athletes with diabetes? What are you guys doing for prepping your athletic training staff for the management of diabetes, um, you know, with your staff? And he kind of paused for a few minutes and he goes, you know, it's unfortunate, but we don't see many athletes at the D1 level. Right. And we kind of had this conversation. So what do you, why, why is that? He goes for a couple of reasons in it. And it was an aha moment for me you know, it was for a couple of reasons. One being that these kids with, that are trying to manage their diabetes are, don't have the tools and they don't have the, the information and they don't have the support to manage the diabetes effectively. Thus their performance struggles. Right. Thus they hate being out for the sport because every time they go practice hard, their blood sugar crashes and they feel like crap. Well, if I do that five days a week, I don't want to, I mean, that doesn't sound like any fun to me. Sure. Right. So you quit your sport. Um, so these kids are sometimes quitting before they even get to college or even before they finish their high school careers. 
And then sec secondly, they may not be performing at a level that gets them to a collegiate level. You know, there's very few collegiate professional ath athletes with diabetes. I mean, yes, you can find them, right? They're out there. Um, our, our center fielder from the Brewers, you know, is, is a perfect example of that. You know, there's NASCAR drivers that, you know, are promoting uh, uh, diabetic um, uh, supplies and things like that because they're also diabetic. Um, but I mean, they're out there. But there's not a lot of them, right? And then you got the D1 level, the D2, D3 level. There's not a lot of athletes at those levels because they quit or, or they can't perform at a level that they want to be able to perform at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. ATs are, especially at the secondary setting, are tasked with everything and have a lot of knowledge that, you know, that's a common theme within the profession, you know, mile wide, inch deep, you know, whatever you want to go with it. What would you say are some of the key points that ATs would need to know when it comes to working with an athlete with diabetes? You know, as you kind of referenced before, whether it's a couple paragraphs in Arnheim or that lecture from your gen med, you know, class that you took um, that, you know, unless you've had a lot of experience, you may not have dug into it. Do you have kind of like key points that you would drive people to? Yeah, I think first and foremost is identifying who those athletes are. I mean, that's first and foremost, right? We need to know medical background on all of our athletes. And sure. again, diabetes is no different. So knowing the, the medical history and the background of all of our athletes is important. And then being able to identify what athletes have diabetes, right? What, what athletes are, are managing the, um, that uh, uh, diagnosis. So that's first and foremost, just like any other, any other diagnosis that we're managing. Um, and then really knowing that athlete, knowing that, and what I, what I mean by that is knowing that athlete's signs and symptoms. Okay, this athlete, athlete A, signs and symptoms of hypoglycemia are lethargic or grumpy, or um, they become quiet or whatever. That's their signs and symptoms. But athlete B might be, I get angry, I get grumpy, uh, I get hostile, Okay. So that's their signs and symptoms, knowing that athlete. All right. That's first. How do we prevent their hypoglycemic event? How do we prevent that? Um, really talking to that parent and that patient or that student athlete, again, uh, working in a secondary school setting, um, working with young adults. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to involve the parents with that conversation. Yep. Um, and really figuring out what things trigger their hypoglycemic events. Okay. We need to have carbs on board two hours before a, a, a soccer game, right? Or we need to have simple carbs on board 30 minutes before the, the event, whatever it may be. Um, and really knowing what their plan is. And if they don't have a plan, helping them develop that plan. And, and it's a lot of trial and error. I'm not going to sure. lie. It's, it's more of an art than it is a science. There's no doubt about it. Um, and really it, it sometimes is okay, boy, we did too much. And all of a sudden we think we've got it nailed down and then it gets hot out. And now the heat index changes everything. And now we start over with the heat index, right. you know, screwing things up um, or with a female athlete. Um, you know, we think we've got everything figured out and now they're on their menstrual cycle and that screws everything up. You know, we think we've got the, the, the blood glucose levels figured out. Um, but I think the general things that we really just need to know is what are your signs and symptoms that we're looking for? In those diabetic athletes and those athletes with diabetes, I, I did it already. Um, those the signs and symptoms that we're really needing to know. 
what what is that list? And, the, and that list is is lengthy, so I won't I won't bore anybody with that list. But you know, what I mean, your your general signs and symptoms of lethargy and fatigue and um, uh, nausea, uh, dizziness. Mm-hmm. Many times, it looks like heat illness. You know, so the signs and symptoms of heat illness look a lot like some of those signs and symptoms of uh, hypoglycemic event. So you really need to be again knowing your athlete, going, okay, where's my this. This athlete, yeah, it's, it's 85 and hot out, but they're also one of my athletes with diabetes. I, maybe maybe I need to check blood glucose level, right? Sure. Um, and then having the supplies, having the, I say, talk about checking blood glucose levels. Yes, your athlete will probably have those supplies, but I think it's also important for you as an athletic trainer to have those supplies. Have a glucometer. Know how to use a glucometer, right? They're, they're, many times you can get glucometers relatively relatively inexpensive, if not free or donated from a hospital system or whatever. Sure. Uh, diabetic educators will give sample, you know, glucometers out many times. So you can find them fairly inexpensively. Um, sometimes the supplies for them are a little bit pricey. You know, the strips and things are a little bit pricey. I was going to say, I remember that being the biggest cost, the little actual strips yeah. to do it. The rest of it was fairly affordable. Not that it was outrageous, but I was like, really? That's the most expensive part? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, 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 Sometimes that is the, the biggest thing. But again, if I put 10 in my in my glucometer kit for the year, you know, and I buy it, you know, again, with my, with our clinic here, we we buy several vials of them and we split those, you know, sure. 50 packs vials with yep. our entire team. Right. So you only need five or 10 or 15 in, in any one glucometer kit um, having glucose tabs or having fruit snacks or having. Um, some Gatorade, having those extra supplies, uh, you know, um, the cheese, the cheese, peanut butter crackers, you got a little protein, you got a little carbohydrate, you know, the, those are great yeah. little snacks, one for your med kit, you know, when you get tired and hungry and on the, during the event, but also for our, our athletes that may be, you know, needing that, that boost as well. So, you know, just having the, the appropriate supplies and having the appropriate um, tools, literally the tools um, uh, to, to make sure that you're able to manage the, the diabetic athlete, the athlete with diabetes. So on the topic of tools, you know, what, and, you know, and you talked about, you know, the identification, you know, knowing the medical history of your athletes, but what other, um, would you say baseline preparation or supplies, um, would you recommend that someone go after, you know, outside of, you mentioned all the different snacks, uh, the glucometer, anything else that, you know, this is really something you should be paying attention to and have to be baseline ready. Yeah, I think um, obviously general knowledge of of um, and again may not be your athlete. It might be it might be a visiting athlete that all of a sudden your you know coach from that visiting team goes, oh yeah, Johnny's one of our athletes with diabetes, you know, and it 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 looks like he's having a hypoglycemic event, and we don't have his bag of supplies. Sure. It happens all the time, right? High school kids forget something. Who who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? <laughs> um, but uh, it happens all the time. So it really, it does fall on us um, for that. And I think really our role as an athletic trainer, um, everything from understanding, just a general understanding of continuous glucose monitors, uh, a general understanding of what an insulin pump does, um, understanding that what the, what the glucometer readings are, what does the double arrow mean versus the 
single arrow versus the, the double arrow down versus the double arrow up, right? What do those arrows mean sure. um, on a glucometer when you're looking at it um, or when you're trying to read it for, for the patient? Um, knowing what baseline numbers are. Um, and again, it comes back to knowing what baseline numbers are for your athlete because baseline going into a game for one of my athletes, he needed to be in that 160 to 170 range because we knew when the national anthem hit and he was all jacked up, he was going to shoot up to 220 or 230. And then after the first, you know, a couple plays in, during the game, he was going to drop back down to 100. And we just, we just knew that was his, that was his, you know, that was his MO. Um, so knowing what numbers you need to be at, you know, what are, what is normal? Is it 80 to 120 is the magic, you know, wheelhouse, but realistically athletes with diabetes are never in that wheelhouse. They're, they're yeah. always outside of that. So, um, knowing what that, you know, usually an athlete, we want to push them in that 110 to 120 to 140 to 160. That's, that's realistic where, where we want those athletes to be during activity, during it, during their, during their time on the field <clears throat> or on the court, whatever it may be. Um, so just knowing some of those baseline numbers, um, knowing what's too high, you know, we don't want to see an athlete with 300 when they, when they, you know, come off the court or when they come off the field. Um, again, if, even if I don't know that particular athlete or that specific athlete, it's always good to understand what some of that, what some of that baseline stuff is, right? So just sure. general diabetic management knowledge, you know, obviously is really super, super important. Um, other things, having some, some basic supplies, you know, um, padding, maybe I need, maybe I need some additional padding for uh, a CGM sensor, you know, that might be on the arm, um, you know, some donut padding, uh, whether it's foam or whatever, um, because that stuff falls off, right? They get sweaty. They, you know, they have issues with that. Um, knowing, knowing that, that athletes um, pump, do they leave it on? Do they take it off? Where do they put it? Do they put it on at halftime and, and bolus some insulin at, you know, and uh, shoot some insulin at halftime? What do they do? You know, what are they, what is their plan? Um, so just knowing that patient's plan, their, their general plan is important. Um, um, you know, those are kind of the, the basics, if you will, of, of really what the, the athletic trainer's role is in that situation. Oh, that's awesome. And gives a great place for people to start, even for me, just to go back and remembering some of those things and the kind of the general cutoffs is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and some other things too, Joel, just from, from an example standpoint, you know, the things that I keep in my med kit, I, I, I have at least one extra Gatorade, you know, I usually keep one for me and one for my student athlete. Um, I usually keep some of those, uh, not promoting any one brand, but you know, the Ritz, the Ritz crackers that have sure. the peanut butter in them, they're, 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 they're pretty tasty. And, and they do, like I said, have protein and carbohydrates. Protein is important for them to help level their um, uh, blood glucose levels. Um, so you can decrease those, those spikes a little bit. Um, so that's, that's nice. I keep the, the glucose tabs in my kit as well. Um, I'll keep some sort of uh, fruit snack. I always keep a couple of fruit snacks in there. Um, again, I like fruit snacks. They're easy to keep. They, we know that one or two packs is about 15 grams, depending on what, what brand you have, um, of carbohydrates, which is good. It's quick, fast acting, uh, carbohydrates. Um, and then I'll also keep, um, like a Gatorade 
excuse me, a, a, excuse me, a granola bar of some sort. Sure. Um, whether that's a, a Nature Valley or a you know chewy granola or whatever, um, something with a little a little longer, uh, a little more complex carb with the sure. obviously the grains in it. Yep. yep. Um, but also usually it's some sort of fast acting carb with it. So it might be a a, a chocolate chewy, you know, or a peanut butter, salt and salt and nut, uh, chewy, something like that. Again, adding a little bit of uh, protein with that salt and nut, um, option too. So those are just some basics that I keep with me, um, almost all the time, especially since I do have currently athletes with diabetes in my program. So I, I always have that, those supplies with me now, you know, some of the food items I may not have in my kit. If I'm not, um, if I'm not currently managing an athlete with diabetes myself, um, but if I'm, you know, just carrying some of those supplies, I'll always have my glucometer with me. I'll always yep. have my, my gel tabs with me, excuse me, my gel or my glucose tabs with me. Those are always in my kit. Um, and those get rotated out, you know, as they need to from a, from an expiration standpoint. But you know, when it, when it comes to managing an athlete, uh, on your team, I always have those extra things with me for sure. Good reminders. Yeah. We always tried to have the glucometer and then, uh, some of those glucose tabs just in general, you know, for people and quick make Gatorade packets or whatever it is, just to have that even for people that weren't um, being athletes with diabetes. Correct. Are there any major quote unquote do nots when it comes to caring for athletes with diabetes that you would just be like this, you should probably shy away from this as much as you can. Yeah, we're not, as athletic trainers, we're not changing insulin levels uh, for an athlete with diabetes. Sure. What we can recommend is their carbohydrate, caloric. Yeah, intake, no, that's a good point. And that intake, those types of things. Um, we, can, we can be an advocate and assist them with saying, okay, let's call your diabetic educator or let's call your endo and see if they think, you know, if we've tried all the other stuff, and we still think it's, boy, they're taking way too much insulin or the timing of their insulin needs to be adjusted or whatever it may be. Um, or their insulin sensitivity we think has changed over the you know last six months or year that they've now been you know using the pump or whatever it may be. Um, we can be an advocate for them uh, and assist them with management with their endo or with their, with their diabetic educator or you know their PCP, whoever, yep. whoever's managing their, their diabetic care. Um, but we can't, we can't adjust their insulin level. We can't adjust how much they're taking or when they're taking it. Um, that's outside of our scope. So that, that's something we cannot do. Um, the other thing, the other thing we should not be doing is given the old, they can't, they can't do this because they're a diabetic athlete. They, they can, they can do all of this stuff, right? Let's not, again, it goes back to labeling them. Let's not label them and tell them they can't do it because they're, you know, an athlete with diabetes. It's just, we need to do things differently. We, we need to manage things differently. We need to find a way to allow them to do what they want to do. Um, and I think that's a big part of what we do as athletic trainers. We're problem solvers, we're fixers, we're helpers, you know, and I think we do a good job of that. Um, and especially in this case, I think we do a good job of that, of figuring out a way to assist the athlete to do what they want to do, you know, to, to allow them to do what they want to do. And I think that they can't or they shouldn't, are not part of the conversation with uh, these athletes, athletes with diabetes. 
you've done a great job of just leading me right into my other question. So <laughs> congratulations on doing that. You're making my life really easy. Awesome. Um, just mentioned on the do nots, you know, not having the can't. Um, we also, you know, talked about earlier, you know, high school, secondary school athletes, maybe not making it through that level to go on to collegiate and beyond. But are there any other kind of major misconceptions um, about athletes and diabetes that you've seen in your career that, you know, that you've had to kind of dispel outside of the, you know, they can't do everything because they definitely can. It's just figuring out, as you mentioned, the way to get there. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, you know, and, and this may or may not be athletic training specific, but sure. you know, you know, diabetics, type one diabetics can't have sugar, shouldn't have sugar. Well, no, they actually need sugar because <laughs> they'll die if they don't, because there'll be too right. much insulin in their system. Right. We, so we know that, but it's, it's the, what type of sugar, what type of carbohydrates are they eating? Right. Um, you know, to, to again, to see a, to see a um, diabetic come over to my med kit, grab a handful of Skittles and, you know, two bags of, of fruit snacks, people look at them and go, man, what is that guy doing? You know, with, yeah. with all sugar that they're hammering down. Well, that's why they're diabetic. No, they're, they're not diabetic because they had sugar. That's, that's the misconception, right? That's, sure. They're diabetic because they were diagnosed with a, you know, an autoimmune disease is what, what happened. So it's not, they didn't do anything to, to become a type one diabetic. Right. Um, I think that's the mis a big misconception, uh, uh, both in athletes, you know, in, in athletic trainers and, but more so general public, obviously. Yep. Um, another big misconception is, is, well, it's not that, it's not that bad of a disease. It's not that bad of a, a um, uh, you know, a, a diagnosis. Well, as I, as I opened with it, it, it can be, and, and if it's not properly managed, it will be, um, so I think that people misunderstand that part of it is, yes, you can go blind. You can have cardiac issues. Yes, you can have liver and kidney issues. Yes, you can have all of those bad things that potentially could happen. I've seen it in my world. I've seen it in my family of what things can go wrong um, if you don't manage your diabetes the way your, your diabetes should be managed. Um, and as a, I, I, without being a nag or without being, you know, looking over them and watching over them every moment, I want them to know, I want my athletes to know that, Hey, this, uh, I care about you and I don't want to see you on this side of it. And I think people forget that or have that misconception that, Oh, all you do is take your shot and you're fine. Right. It's way more than that. And, and, and then I think that leads me to my next misconception is, every diabetic is treated and managed the same. I think you've laid out very clearly in this conversation. That is 100% the furthest thing from the truth, right? Yep. Every diabetic yep. is some sort of fancy snowflake because every snowflake is different. And every, every athlete I've managed is, is different as well. So, you know, I mean, okay, take the example of a football player. All right, my, my athlete with diabetes who is a lineman, I'm managing different than I am the wide receiver. Right. Because their practices are different. The intensity of what they do is different. The number of plays that they're involved in is different. Um, all of that is different. So I have to manage their diabetes differently as well. Even though they're both football players, it's, it's still totally different. What would you recommend for ATs to go to for the most up-to-date resources on, you know, working 
with athletes with diabetes just to make sure, you know, if they're like, wow, you know, this conversation really, I need to go back. And again, maybe Arnheim doesn't have as much in depth and it can only be updated so often. What, what would you recommend in terms of resources for people to go check out? Okay, so general resources, uh, American Diabetes Association has some great general resources. Obviously, the NATA, as I uh, alluded to earlier yep. on, um, has the, the position statements that I think are great with management of diabetes. Um, as it relates specifically to the athlete with diabetes, um, we are woefully, woefully underserved as far as the resources we have available to us. Sure. Um, again, which is the reason we started the program here at Bellin specifically to address that need. Um, as we tried to research again, as I said, we, we looked at other healthcare systems. We looked at um, uh, children's hospitals around the country. We looked at some of the big heavy hitter, you know, research hospitals. There's very, very, very little information for athletes with diabetes. And, and competitive athletes or, or even just that, that step up from, you know, our, you know, our, uh, our fitness buff, right. Sure, sure. Maybe it's somebody who wants to run weekend 5k, 10k half marathon marathons. Um, there is little information, very little information, none to, to be, to be honest out there for that. So if we've got athletic trainers listening to this, who want to do some research, We've got a hot research topic for you, and that's you how to find out some key trends that we can use. Um, anytime you go on and look at general information regarding um, the management of diabetes um, with activity, you get kind of the same general phrasing. And <laughs> perfect example of that is uh, my colleague uh, on our diabetes team um, is a physical therapist. She was diagnosed as a type one diabetic when she was uh, um, going through a postpartum with her, her child, a very active runner, very high level um, activity, um, hot yoga, the whole nine yards, right? She did everything. Um, and when she was trying to get back to those things, and, and this is a physical therapist, right? A very well-educated, yeah. in tune with the medical community uh, person, um, she was trying to find information about how to return to athletics and she couldn't find that, that information, you know, they were given, she's given the pamphlet on how to return to walking. Oh no, no, that's not what she wants. She wants to be a high level athlete. Um, and she wants to be competitive in triathlons and all those fun things that she used to do pre pre pregnancy and, and pre diagnosis of, of her type one diabetes. Um, and, and there was none of that available to her. You know, she would, like I said, she was given the pamphlet on how to return to walk, you know, because exercise is good for you. Well, yeah, exercise is good for you right up to the point where your blood glucose level drops so far that it kills you, you know? So there, you know, that's, that's what some of these athletes are looking for. They're looking for high level information or a high level, you know, return to sport or high level activity. And we don't have those resources available to us. So again, somebody out there wants to help us with that research. More power to you. We're, we're, we would love to see some of that that newest, latest, greatest data, specifically for our athletes. Specifically for our athletes. Uh, that's a good call uh, to action out there. You bet, absolutely. Uh, we've covered a lot. Anything else around diabetes in athletes that you wanted to touch on before we jump into the AT chat questions? No, I think that you know if if there's um, 
if there's one thing that I would I would ask against uh, in addition to this call to action um, is that athletic trainers become you know we're we're great at being an advocate for our for our student athletes we're great at being an advocate for our patients um, use this as an opportunity as well to educate yourself a little bit more about being a, a better advocate for your student athlete with diabetes. Um, as I opened up with, they don't want to be any different. They don't want to miss practice. They don't want to step out of, uh, you know, two a days. They don't want to miss sprints, but their teammates may see it as, oh, he's just trying to skip practice. He's trying to do this. He's trying to do that. And they don't want to do that, right? They don't want to be different. So help them not be different. Help them manage their diabetes pre-practice. Help them manage their diabetes post-practice. Be involved in their care. Be an advocate for them outside of the, the 30 minutes, one hour, two hours, whatever that we see them in a day. Be an advocate to them outside of that time. Help find resources for them to manage their diabetes for an all-day Saturday soccer tournament. How do they manage it throughout that or a wrestling tournament all day versus how, how do they manage it during uh, a practice, right? Those are two different things and we need to help them with that. Um, the athletic training community is a very connected community and I'm, I'm sure we'll share you know, my, my information as well. Um, reach out, I'm more than happy to share, you know, some of the, the slides that we, we put together for our WATA presentation. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to somebody about, boy, boy, I've got this 15 year old kid who I, I just don't know what to do with. You know, I'm happy to talk through some of those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we have a super, super well-connected community uh, within the athletic training world. Reach out to your peers, reach out to your mentors, reach out to those. And I think that's part of <clears throat> some of the resources that, <clears throat> excuse me, were super helpful in, in assisting with putting this program together what things worked for you what things didn't work for you you know what right. what athlete did you you know I, hey i remember you had this athlete two years ago what did you guys do what tips and tricks did you have for management of that diabetic athlete you know that athlete with diabetes yeah i did this i did that oh i had i had peanut butter crackers instead of granola bars oh okay i'll try that instead you know um oh we had string cheese in the locker room you know in the in the coach's cooler before to help them, you know, level off their, their protein levels or their blood glucose levels by putting some protein on board. So be resourceful, um, be an advocate for your, for your student athlete, um, reach out to the resources that you have available to you within the athletic training community. I think there's, there's, there's people out there that want to help and there's people that are, you know, really willing to help. So, you know, be an advocate for your, for your student athletes. Absolutely. Well said. Um, Going into the AT chat questions then. First one is where do you see the see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Um, yes, as in prep for this, I was, I kind of, you know, I was reviewing this and um, I, I'm an advocate for the athletic training profession through and through, and I've been doing this for, uh, you know, a gazillion years and, and I really love being a mentor for our new um, young professionals. I love being um, a preceptor for the, you know, the athletic trainers, you know, going through the master's program right now. Um, and I think what we need to do and I, what I'm hoping that I see in the next five to years is that mentorship and that growth of some of our, our mentorship programs grows and continues to grow. Because I think where the young professionals that I'm seeing come out, 
are way smarter than me. They're way smarter than me. I, yeah. I mean, book smart, <laughs> man, they'll, they'll crush me on any, you know, education data testing that, that we do. I, I guarantee it. Um, but it's some of the soft skills. I think it's some of the soft skills that uh, we want to continue to mentor some of our, our young professionals on. Um, uh, you know, I heard the podcast you did with my, uh, my colleague, Mark Hughes, about relationships. Yep. I think it's developing those relationships. And, and the more we can do those things, uh, I think that's what I see within the, the next five to 10 years, hopefully, is that return to some of those relationship building and some of that mentor building programs that we have. Love it. Speaking of young athletic trainers, if you could go back and give yourself some advice as a young athletic trainer, what would it be? And if you could set kind of when that would you go back to, that'd be great. Oh, there's a lot I would have potentially <laughs> done. Right? Um, no, I think I think trusting myself sooner would have been part of it. Right. Trusting myself, trusting my skill set, trusting my knowledge, trusting my training would have been part of it. Trusting myself sooner would be, would be a part of that. Um, be confident in the in things that you've been taught, because again, our, our young professionals currently are crushing it. They're, they're doing a great job. And I have no doubt that, you know, their knowledge base and their skill level is, is far superior than what mine was, you know, coming out of school. Um, I think advocating for yourself sooner. Yeah. Um, the athletic training profession needs to grow financially, right? We all know that our pocketbooks have been beat up for a long time. And I think sure. advocating for your financial well-being is important. Um, that goes back to some of that, the, the order I see the athletic training profession in five to 10 years. I hope that in five to 10 years, um, we see financial growth for our athletic trainers. I hope that we see um, continued uh, value for our athletic trainers. Um, and I think being, being an advocate not just to your peers or to your AD or to your uh, to your patients that you're serving at the at the secondary school or at the college level, wherever it may be, but anytime you get an opportunity to speak about athletic trainers, do it. Let's promote the profession. I think every athletic trainer needs to promote the profession more. And I don't care if you're first year out of school, if you're you know still in your master's program or you've been serving the profession for 25 years. I think we all need to do a better job of promoting the, the profession. So again, it goes back to a thank you to you, Joel, for, for doing things like this and promoting our profession. Um, I think it's important that we, we all do that. Um, when we have opportunities, when we're doing it, education days, call the media, call your local media, get them involved, let them see what training and skill for level sure our athletic trainers have on a, you know, the stuff that we prepare for on a daily basis. You know, we, we recently did that and it was, it was really blown away at how much the media really appreciated being invited to that thing, those types of things to, to really help promote it. So I think I would have, as a young athletic trainer, I would have hoped that somebody would have said, you know, Hey, you should share that story. You should share that story because I think we need to, that's the only way we're going to promote our profession. I like that. What has been the most influential resource you have found in your career? Uh, peers, 100%. The, the, the people I had a guess you might be going there. Yeah, the people that I work with on a daily basis, first and foremost. Um, man, I had some fantastic mentors. Um, you know, to Russell Lapp was, was one of my uh, collegiate professors, was phenomenal. Mark Cole, another good buddy of mine, you know, yeah. I, you know, it's been awesome. Uh, Keith Owsley, I mean, Kim Calvert, I mean, the list 
is endless. I, I could I could name you know name names for an hour and and but yeah, each one of them gave me something that I could bring to you know to my athletic training profession. Um, you know, gosh, you know, all the way up to Pepper Burris and the Green Bay Packers staff, Kurt Fielding, those those guys, you know, all those guys were were phenomenal, you know, resources. And and again, I think we're we're a connected community. Don't be afraid to reach out to those people because they were in your shoes, you know, last year, two years ago, 10 years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, your peer group, I think, is my has been my biggest resource. Um, the new staff, my young professionals that I work with are they're phenomenal. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'll pick their brains sitting in the clinic, you know, today as, and, and Hey, I, I had this athlete or I had that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the people that I work with and the people that I've previously worked with for sure. That is a common one and rightfully so. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> as an AT in your role, how do you take care of yourself? Um, I, I've made, I have made myself, um, turn off the phone, um, you know, and not being everything to everyone at all times. Um, I've, I've forced myself to, to understand that mental health component of our job. Um, I have taken on several roles within that, within that, um, I'm part of the Wisconsin athletic trainers, uh, critical incident stress management team, uh, the WATA cares program. Yep. I'm also part of our, our group here at uh, my workplace at Bell and uh, as a peer resource for those critical incidents that may have occurred uh, within the, within the hospital setting or within our community setting. Um, I've also, you know, become a youth mental health first aid instructor um, because of the suicide rates and things that we've seen in our, in our uh, high school settings and, and middle school ages and things like that. So I've become a mental health first aid instructor. So understanding the mental health component of this job um, and understanding the stress that it takes to do this job, um, I've really forced myself to, to be cognizant of that. Um, while I don't do some of the physical uh, uh, things that I probably should be doing with, you know, uh, health and well-being, sure. um, I certainly try to maintain the, the, the mental aspect of, of what I'm, you know, making sure I'm spending time with my family, making sure that I'm uh, when I'm with my family, I'm connected to my family and my, hopefully my phone gets put away for enough time that, you know, it actually looks like I'm involved in that conversation. Yep. Um, we do a lot of, I do a lot of fun stuff outside. I'm, I enjoy my, I enjoy hunting and fishing and doing a lot of that. So, and, and again, making my athletic training friends and colleagues <clears throat> partake in that with me. So, yeah. Nice. If you could change or eliminate one thing could be a modality, common practice, a mindset, or anything of your choosing in athletic training, what would it be? Yeah, I think I, I think I mentioned it a little bit in that last in that last answer with I think sure. we need to be we need to be aware that we can't fix everyone and we can't fix everything and we can't be there all the time for everyone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm follow lots of you know Facebook pages and secondary school pages and all these different things. And, and it's like, Oh, I can't leave practice. I'm like, yeah, you can. Absolutely. You can. Your coaches are CPR certified. Your coaches are first aid certified. They know how to dial them one. You've gone through an emergency action plan with them. Go home. You, you've got your son or daughter's, you know, recital you want to go at, go, go, man, be, be there for your own mental health. I wish that that philosophy that we need to be there 24, seven, 365, for everybody all the time would go away. Um, 
people are getting, I mean, while I love to be relied upon and it's and it's job security be, to be relied upon, we also don't need to be relied upon for every little Nick boo-boo band-aid and, and owie, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that, I, I wish that that, mindset would would shift a little bit and and i'm i'm lucky i'm super 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 lucky that my coaches and my administrators at the secondary school i'm at um they totally support that they know they want me to leave at 5 30 when my when my time frame on my door says leave at 5 30 um they want me to go home they want me to get out of the building sure. and be with my family um so i'm super lucky in 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 my setting currently um and I think that mindset is changing slightly, yep. uh, but I think we can do a better job of it. I think we can all do a better job of that. I learned that lesson as well. It's a hard, hard one to put back back in the bag once it's it's out, but you can right, get it. right, yeah. That that snowball will roll quickly, won't it? Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> uh, last question uh, before we wrap up: What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um. I use the words um, helper. I use the words problem solver. I use the words friend, uh, colleague, confidant, mentor, um, teacher. Um, that's what athletic training is to me. I mean, this you're going to make me cry. This is my this is my emotional side of 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 what I do. I'm passionate about my job. I'm passionate about the work I do. I'm passionate about the people I serve. Um, I think that's that's me as an athletic trainer, passion is what drives a lot of what I do. Passion drives, you know, programs like athletes with diabetes program that I, that I helped start. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, passion drives me answering a phone call at 10 o'clock when I know a coach usually isn't going to call me at 10 o'clock. Um, I think those are the things that, that drive me as an athletic trainer. And that's kind of what athletic training means to me is, is that you can't, you can't do athletic training, half-heartedly you have to be passionate about the profession i like that answer thanks for sharing uh just to wrap up um as you mentioned before if people want to connect with you you know bounce ideas off or just look for uh some more resources what would be the best way for them to get in contact yeah my work email is always is always available for those professional contacts um uh, roland.schmidt at bellin.org, R-O-L-A-N-D dot Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T at bellin, B-E-L-L-I-N.org. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Um, I do, you know, follow a lot of the, uh, secondary school Facebook pages. You can find me on there. I am on Facebook, you know, so if they want to privately message me about something, uh, it's something personal. Um, they've got a question about that, you know, start with my professional email and I'll, you know, reach out and we'll, we'll, we'll communicate accordingly. Um, with our diabetes program, we do have our diabetes program to put a shameless plug out there, if you don't mind. Yeah, Not at all. Athlete with diabetes program that we do have at Bellin here. If you do have athletes that you're struggling with, they're like, man, I, I think this kid could do something big or, or man, this kid is newly diagnosed and they're just not sure how to manage it. Um, they're not sure what, you know, carbohydrates to eat or proteins eat or when they should, you know, when they should be working out. Um, feel free to look us up um, on our uh, Bellin website. Um, just type in, you know, uh, bellin.org. You can look for athletes with diabetes. It'll link you right to it. Um, and then there's information on there on how to get in contact with us. So, but again, awesome. reach out to me directly as the director of the program. I'm one of the directors of the program. So yeah, reach out to me directly via email. And I'll get you hooked up with that program too. So. Perfect. Well, we'll link all that up as we tie everything. 
uh, together for the episode page. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of redo your uh, talk <laughs> uh, at our state meeting. Uh, it, was, it was a great refresher, again, even for me. Uh, if people are interested in that, reach out to them. It was a wealth of information well beyond what we covered just in this conversation, talking about the different kinds of insulin pumps and the different types of glucometers. It was very in-depth, but if you need to get to that place, it's, it's a really good place to start. So I'd recommend reaching out to Roland. But I just wanted to say thank you again and uh, look forward to running into you again at some point um, across the state. Sounds good, Jill. I do appreciate your time and I do appreciate you uh, doing these podcasts. So thanks again for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of Athletic Training Chat with guest Roland Schmidt on working with athletes that have diabetes. We hope you took a lot away from it in terms of just what you need, some major do's, some major don'ts, and what role you can play as an athletic trainer to help these athletes thrive at what they do and help achieve their goals. It's super critical. Uh, so thank you for checking that out. Uh, check out Mueller with the Revive. Uh, we got to mess around with it a little bit at NAPA. They are awesome. Uh, you use other ones in the past. And the thought process and the science behind all uh, what they've done with Revive really does make the difference. So um, in terms of cost, they're right there, if not more affordable than some of the other ones that are out there. So I uh, really, really think it's worth checking out. Thank you again for just your support of the podcast. If you want to be on, we want to hear your story. So please reach out to us or uh, I'm sure somehow we might connect you on social media or otherwise. Uh, we truly appreciate it. We love getting you on. Uh, thank you again. And we will talk to you guys next episode.